We're ready for the word. We're excited and pumped to receive something from God's Holy Spirit today as he speaks to us. And I'm continuing my series, I Am The Church. And today's message is very appropriate as we prepare for our first fruits offering that's coming up at the start of July, just a few weeks away now, folks. And I pray that you're praying as a family and really seeking the Lord as to what you can do to be part of this significant miracle uh, that's going to take place in the midst of the chaos of the world right now. We're going to give that devil a good old slap in the face and say, you know what, you're not slowing the church down. We're ramping up and uh, I'm just excited to be able to be a part of it. And I pray that you are too. Now, if you're visiting today or if this is the first message that you've heard from Vineyard Christian Church, rest assured, the pastor doesn't preach about money every other weekend, but it's just pivotal at this time that I bring a message uh, around investing. And uh, it's title of my message is Invest giving into the future, because that's really what we're doing. We're sowing to be able to reap a harvest in the future when we give of our finance, but not just our finance, when we give of ourselves, when we volunteer, uh, when we sow into people's lives through our relationships, uh, we are investing for a future harvest. People that we're discipling, that we're helping to become followers of Christ, we invest into their lives to reap a harvest, their soul in eternity. So it's time to invest with the future in mind. That's what I want to encourage you today, church, that everything that we do has to have a future goal. Uh, invest is to spend or to devote for future advantage or benefit. So our first fruits offering each year is all about positioning us for future vision. Uh, and those of you that call our church home know that we're on a journey to increase the size of our auditorium. Now, uh, we're not meeting in it at the moment, but when we do, when everybody comes, we are full. And so that doesn't allow future growth for the church. But before we get a bigger auditorium, we've scaled it right back to a number of steps. We need to build toilets. We've got two toilets at the moment, which isn't even really sufficient for what we have now. So our next little project is a toilet block, and we're believing for $20,000 to be able to complete that project. We've got $8,000 in the bank right now, and we need a further $12,000. That's our target for this first fruits giving this coming July. So prayerfully consider how you can be part of that miracle. Once we build the the toilets, then our next plan is to build a beautiful deck area outside of uh, where the church meets now, where it's overlooking our kids' facility and where our kids will be playing and that sort of thing. We want to have beautiful deck for coffee and fellowship and hanging out. And uh, once we've built that, that frees up our existing foyer for us to push the wall back of our auditorium and then see our auditorium size increase without impacting fellowship space. So toilets, Outdoor deck area, increase the size of the auditorium. God's got it, folks. And whether it takes us one year, two years, ten years, I'm just trusting in him. He will release the finance uh, when he's good and ready because he's God and we're not. And so I just trust in him. And uh, we can do as much uh, of these projects as we can as finance allows. And, and that's just where it's at. So that's not a guilt trip to get more money out of you. That's just saying we're fully relying on God. Uh, because we need a miracle to be able to achieve those things. So we're exploring the topic of investing today. Uh, and I want to read to you from John 3.16. Most of us uh, that have been seasoned Christians for quite some time would know this verse. But if you're not a Christian, this is the, one of the key verses of the Bible. And it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Believing in Jesus is the key to everlasting life. And so I want to encourage you with that. See, from this scripture, here's what I get today for the purpose of our message. God is actually an investor. We're talking about um, exploring the topic of investing in the Bible. Well, God is an investor. God deposited his one and only son as an investment. Now, when you deposit something as an investment, you want a return, don't you? You don't just put it in and then come get it out and have the same result. Hopefully you haven't lost anything. If it's a good investment, you will gain something. Well, God so loved the world, he gave or he invested his only son into the world that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. So that means everyone that believes on the name of Jesus is a return on God's investment of his son. God gave his son into the earth so that he could gain millions of sons and daughters, which has happened over the over the season of time since Jesus walked the planet. And we want to believe for even more people to come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior so that they can also be part of that harvest, that return on investment for our God who gave his only son. See, Jesus is declared as the first fruits among many brothers and sisters. You know, Jesus came and then believers followed. Uh, so Jesus is literally the first fruits, the sacrificial gift that came to make a way for thousands, millions uh, across time to uh, surrender their life and ask Jesus to be their Lord and Savior and to live their life for God. God invested his very best, his one and only son. That's his very best. Those of us that have kids know that your kids are of, uh, you know, that you can't put a value on your kids. And the actual thought of giving up one of your children is just unfathomable. Uh, God invested his very best so that his return would be the very best. God wants humanity. He wants every living person to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, to become Christ followers, Christians, and uh, inherit eternal, everlasting life. See, God invested with the future in mind. The Bible says that even before the foundation of the earth, Christ was crucified. God knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He's at the start of time. He's now. He's ahead of time. He doesn't exist in time. And our minds struggle to understand that at times. But even before the foundation of the earth, it was determined that Christ would have to be crucified to be able to allow mankind to experience redemption. Uh, God planned way in advance, even before the world began. Um, God was looking to invest into the future. And so by setting up him giving his only son, he knew that that was a great deposit, a great investment to be able to see many people come to know him. See, God has invested in you and your life. He's invested in my life. Uh, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for God. And, and I trust many people listening to this would agree that you wouldn't be where you're at in your life right now if you had not at one point surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verse 10, For we are God's workmanship. He's crafted us. He's made us. Uh, and we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have been prepared for good works, and we have to make that choice to walk in that kind of life, that God-surrendered type of life, so that we could uh, see the fruit of these good works and Jesus' 
in our hearts and, and in and through our lives what happens and what doors open and what opportunities come because we live the fully surrendered life. See, when you become a Christ follower, God deposits into your life the Holy Spirit. And we talked about the Holy Spirit a few weeks back, Pentecost Sunday. And uh, I just want to encourage you to acknowledge the Holy Spirit in your life. It's that presence that guides you and leads you uh, and encourages you and helps you in the midst of challenging times. Listen to that soft, still voice. Feel those nudges and those promptings. It's the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you through life's crazy challenges that we experience at times. Um, Ephesians 1 verse 13 says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit is that seal that is deposited into your life. It's God's investment. So God sent his son, then God invested the Holy Spirit to be able to lead you and guide you. And God wants to see a return on that investment. We want to see fruit in our lives because the Holy Spirit is alive and active within us and leading us in the way that God would have us go. You see, the deposit of the Holy Spirit is what gives you power and authority. And so harness that. Don't be beat around the bush and kicked to the curb. We're to be the head and not the tail. And so use the Holy Spirit with wisdom, not aggression, with wisdom, and allow the Holy Spirit to be your power and authority in the midst of challenging times. Here's the point. God has invested and deposited you uh, into your life. And he has deposited his son and his spirit and his good works and his divine destiny are all deposited into you. And we are just excited to see the return on investment for God's kingdom because of you receiving that deposit. What's going to come? What fruit's going to come? What's going to develop in and through your life, that fully surrendered life when we surrender our life to God? So God is an investor. That's the first thing we've looked at today. Jesus actually spoke of investing. And we're going to take a look now at the book of Matthew, um, chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. And it's talking about laying up treasures in heaven. It says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. See, Jesus speaks of the foolishness of just earthly investments. If we were to just take all that came into our life and invested it into earthly things, possessions, trips, whatever it is. Um, See, moths will come and destroy. That's what the Bible says. Fabrics were treasured by Jews, yet moths ruined them. Uh, Rust will come and destroy. Don't you love rust? I guess we're in the country. Rust isn't as big an issue here, but when I lived on the Sunshine Coast, cars suffered rust. It's a shocker. Rust will come and destroy. Precious metals can be eaten away. And thieves will come and steal. So other people will take what you have. And so 
don't spend your whole life investing into these things and that's all you do because it's going to be destroyed. It's going to be stolen. Here's the point. Jesus made it clear that anything we put away here will eventually pass away. We can't take it with us into the next life, whatever we accumulate here. It has temporary value because it's tied to the temporary, not the eternal. So folks, invest in that which is eternal. That's what the encouragement is here. Don't spend your life accumulating riches and you get to the end of your life and you live in this big mansion with all these possessions and you're about to pass away and all of a sudden you've worked your whole life for something that you can't now take with you. Sure, you can leave inheritance for your family and that's important. I'm not discouraging that. But what's the focus? Is the focus on eternal things or physical things right now in the temporal? See, Jesus is communicating... He's communicating something about investing here. Resources are not just to be heaped up here on earth. We have the ability to do something with our money that money cannot buy. What a privilege we have. Something to do that money cannot buy. Money is the vehicle to send things forward into your heavenly account. That's pretty cool. Some things to remember about materialism, and this is important. Uh, We just read Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. Materialism enslaves your heart. It really captures your heart. It it makes it captive. Um, It also enslaves your mind and it also enslaves your will. So if you're driven by earthly possessions and gain, you're going to be trapped because you'll never be satisfied. There's always going to be a newer model or or a better trip to take or a better thing to buy or whatever it is. It's always superseding that which you bought before. So you're never satisfied because then you want the next new thing. It doesn't satisfy like giving into the heavenly realms. See, if the heart loves material things and puts earthly gain above heavenly investments, then the result can only be tragic loss because eventually it'll be stolen. Eventually it'll be destroyed. Eventually it'll be superseded and you need something better and new and you're just never getting there because you're always chasing your tail for the latest and greatest. The treasures of earth may be used for God, but if we gather material things for ourselves, we're going to lose them and we lose our hearts with them. That's important to understand because I've spent my whole life sowing into this and and believing to, to achieve this and to get this. And then when you get it and it's taken away, a piece of your heart has gone with it. Because you've spent your whole lifetime to get to that point and then it's gone. Instead of spiritual enrichment, we will experience impoverishment. You may be rich, but you still feel like you're lacking. Because that void is there that is never filled with earthly things. We must be people who gather not just for ourselves. And that's what the church is all about. We're here for community. We're here to help those Uh, that Christ would have helped. Were you hungry? Did you feed me? I was naked. Did you clothe me? That's what we exist for, to help other people. Um, We must use all we have for the glory of God. We must measure life in the eternal perspective. And when we do, that's when our desires change and shift. We want to do things that are pleasing to God because God sits in eternity and we want to live a life that is pleasing to him so we don't want to waste our lifetime accumulating stuff when we could have used our lifetime being a blessing to others and glorifying God through our possessions and the things that we have 
We must live life with generations in mind. We've got to constantly be sowing into the next generation. That's why we built a kids and youth facility at Vineyard Christian Church, because we believe in the value of young people and ministry to young people. So God's an investor and Jesus spoke of investing. Let's now just talk about uh, Jesus and great investors. So we're going to read from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 1 to 13. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he knew, uh, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, <clears throat> that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew Simon, uh, Peter's brother, uh, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number, about 5,000. You wouldn't want to be on welcome team that day and have to count 5,000 people, right? All right, let's keep going. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to his disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. You know, we can read a story like that and go, oh, yeah, well, Jesus fed the 5,000 and and miss, I guess, the miracle that happened there. Uh, A small amount of fish, a couple of loaves, and it fed 5,000 people with 12 baskets left over. Uh, See, Jesus and the disciples, Jesus has... um, 5,000 hungry people in front of him. That's a lot of people to feed. You think we have chaos in our church foyer when we need to feed 100 people. Well, this is 5,000 people. Uh, He asks Philip where they could buy food for all these people. And he was asking where could they get the resources for the need. Here's the point. It was a test for Philip. Where was Philip going to look for the provision that he needed? Philip looked at what he did not have. Let me encourage you, never assess a difficulty in the light of your own resources. God's resources are infinite. Let's learn, let's train ourselves, let's encourage ourselves to look at situations with God's resources in mind, not our own limited resources. See, we could look at the idea of building toilets as a church and extending a deck and expanding the auditorium and think, well, that's way beyond our limited resources. Well, you know what? It is. <laughs> we can't do it in our own strength. We need miracle financial provision from God over the coming years to achieve that. But it's God's resources. That's why I say God's got it. That's why I say I don't worry about what money comes in. If we don't get enough this year, well, we'll get enough next year. God will release the resources because he is a miracle working God. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. And so I never worry. 
whether I'm going to get something done immediately or in a year or two years. Three, that's up to God. I'm just here serving him and he will release the resources uh, as we need them. Uh, Jesus and the young boy. So Andrew brings this young boy and the young boy has five loaves and two fishes or two fish. You don't say fishes, do you? Get my English right, Jacqueline. It's two fish. Uh, the need is greater than what he bought. So look, this is helpful, but look how small it is. He brings all of his lunch, not some. Notice that the boy brings all of his lunch, all of that he had and offers it. He doesn't just bring part of it and keep some for himself. He brings all of it. He takes it, blesses it, breaks it, distributes it. Jesus will take what we bring. When we do our first fruits offering, Jesus will take what we bring and he will bless it. He will break it. He will distribute it to meet the needs of the people, the needs of the church. See, we're going to meet the needs of the community of Stanthorpe. You might think, well, how does having toilets uh, meet needs? Well, I mean, I can think of a few practical needs there and then. But the truth is, without more toilets, we can't have more people. Without more space, we can't have more people. And it's not about numbers, but it is about seeing more souls for the kingdom of God. And so we need to make room. Um, we need to build a space to house people that need to say yes to Jesus. And if we don't do it, then yes, we'll stay comfortable. We've got our little group, but the church won't continue to grow. And eventually it will possibly even die because we're not building for the future. I think any great church is always building for the future because God's an investor and he wants us investing into the futures of community. Our first fruits offering is a vision offering to meet the needs of the people. The ultimate goal is growth and building toilets is the first step of many to achieve that. Our first fruits offering is going to meet spiritual needs. More room for more people means more people can come and be met by Jesus and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and have their spiritual needs met. Our first fruits offering is going to meet physical needs. Well, how's giving the toilets meet physical needs? Again, there's a lot of practical reasons, but the truth is there are hurting people in our community that need to be healed by the power of Jesus. We need to make room for them to come. Uh, our first fruits offering is going to meet social needs. There are many lonely people in our community that you know, may not necessarily feel the need for a spiritual connection, but there's a social connection that is desperately missing. And as we fill that void, Jesus then has opportunity to come and fill them with the Holy Spirit so that they recognize the need for a spiritual life as well. But meeting that social need first can be the door that is opened for someone to come to say yes to Jesus. Look what happens in this story with the boy and the fish and the bread. They all ate as much as they wanted. How cool is that? Everybody was full. No one was left hungry. They gathered the leftovers so that nothing was wasted. And in the end, 12 baskets were filled. So everyone had plenty and then there was more left over than what they started with. We serve a God of abundance and not lack, folks. And when we give to Jesus our part, he will bless it, he will break it, and he's going to bring it back to us. We have to trust him in faith that it opens up a floodgate of blessing in your life for simply putting God first. The purpose was to meet the needs of the hungry people. 
And that's why the, the little boy brought all of his lunch and met the needs of the hungry people. But how many people are hungry? Not for regular food. That's not what I'm talking about now. How many people are hungry to be loved, to be led, to be encouraged, to be welcomed home in our church? Hungry for much more than what they can see, touch and accumulate. They are hungry for something more. Church, we have a role to play. And uh, our First Fruits offering that's coming up in July gives us an opportunity to play a part in feeding the hungry. And I'm not just talking food, although food's great. Uh, spiritual food, spiritual nourishment. See, God's an investor. Jesus spoke of investing. Uh, we talked about Jesus and great investors through that story of the feeding the 5,000. Jesus invests his life to the hungry. John chapter 6 Verses 32 to 40 says this, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you, that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me I should, not, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus says it himself. Jesus is the bread of life. Coming to Jesus will satisfy your every hunger. Coming to Jesus will satisfy your thirsting soul. Jesus declared that the bread came down from heaven. He came to do the will of the Father. He came to live life to please God. He came to live life for others not just himself. Is that not just a picture of how we are to live our lives? To be Christ-like, to do the will of the Father, to live life to please God, not man, but please God, to live life not just for our own gain, but what we can do to impart into the lives of others. Jesus tells us that the Father's investment is for the gathering of more people into his kingdom. So Jesus was deposited as an investment so that we could come to know him. Now we are an investment. God invests into us his Holy Spirit so that we can bring a return of many souls saying yes to Jesus. The return is not interest. It's not about gaining interest. It's about lives being changed. And Vineyard Christian Church in Stanthorpe has an opportunity to play a role in seeing this community changed for Jesus. You know, our declaration must be the same. Jesus is the bread of life must be on our lips to declare that because we must declare by our investing that Jesus is the answer. And the way we do that is that we don't invest in purely physical, temporal things, but we choose to invest in that which is eternal. We must declare by our investing that you can actually meet a God who will give you what you really need. 
by giving in the first fruits offering, which doesn't make sense in our head, we are declaring that there is a God in heaven that we trust in, that we want to put first in our finances and that we want to see a harvest come for his glory, not for our own. We must declare by our investing that I'm not here to do my own will, but God's will. Here's the point. And I want to close with this. What is God asking you to invest? You have to talk with God about that. Not Pastor Jeremy, not your friends and neighbors. Sit with your family and pray and say, God, what would you have us invest? What sacrifice are we going to make to help reach the hungry and the thirsty? And again, I'm not talking physical food and drink. I'm talking spiritual What are we going to do to make a statement in this community that our God is alive and well in the midst of a crazy pandemic, fires, drought? Nothing is stopping the church of God in Stanthorpe. And how are we going to express that through what we give? Jesus is calling all of those who are hungry and thirsty. Jesus is calling us to invest our lunch, just like that little boy, his his loaves and his fishes, how he invested his whole lunch. And everybody got to eat as much as they wanted with plenty left over. Jesus is calling us to give to help meet the needs of Stanthorpe and beyond. And Jesus is calling us to give so he can bless, so he can break, so he can distribute, and so he can bring it back. You know, the greatest investment that you can make is an investment of yourself by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, to allow him to be your Lord and your Savior. You know, God made the greatest investment into your life, and that's Jesus. And all we need to do is to invest ourselves, believe in him, confess with our mouth that he is Lord, and we will be saved. Romans 10 verse 9, it's on the screen. And it says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Hey, I don't know what our life is at for you right now, what kind of life that you're leading, but I want to encourage you to consider the greatest investment that you could ever make, and that is of yourself, by surrendering your life to Jesus Christ and asking him to be your Lord and Savior. So I want to give you opportunity now uh, to say yes to Jesus. It's very simple. You're not joining our church or a cult or anything like that. You're joining the kingdom of heaven by admitting that you can't do life on your own. You know, we try and fill the void in our life with so many things of this world when really God designed us with a void that could only be filled by him. And he's asking us to simply say yes to him, to believe in him and to allow him to lead us and guide us through this thing called life. So if that's you and you want to say yes to Jesus today, you have the opportunity to raise your hand in the comments field uh, of this live stream right now. You can click on raise hand and surrender your life to Jesus. And if you're doing that today, after you click there, you can connect with our church further if you choose to. Otherwise, the opportunity right now is for you to pray. And as a church family, we're going to all pray this prayer together. So let's, let's pray it together. Dear Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I declare that you are Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I want to be a Christian. So I say yes to Jesus. I thank you that you forgive me. 
of all my sins and wrongdoings. You make me free. So I thank you for this new life. And I choose to make you my Lord. Lead and guide me, I pray. Every single day. From this day forward. In Jesus name. Amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, firstly, congratulations. You are part of the kingdom of God right now. And there is a big party going on in heaven. And I want to encourage you, click on raise hand, connect with our church so that we can help you on your journey. And uh, we are so grateful that you chose to join us for Vineyard Live, our church service today. And so that's it for Vineyard Live. We're done. But I want to thank you for joining in. God's blessings on you and yours. Our Zoom foyer is open right now. So if you want to join us for our Zoom foyer, there's a link that's being posted in the chat right now. I'd love you to click on that and come and say hi to us uh, live and in the flesh. Well, via video at least anyway. Hey, our youth is back. We had a great night last Friday. And uh, so that's exciting. Kids Club's launching again in Term 3. Uh, we're aiming to be back at church in some capacity uh, come July. We just have to see what the restrictions look like at that time and what we're able to do. But stay tuned. We'll give you some more information as soon as we have things clarified there. Join us in the Zoom for you now to say hi. Otherwise, have a fantastic week. God bless you, church. We love you.